0: Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by His Word. God bless. But uh, it is good that we are in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning, and you are here this morning taking the Word of the Lord. I believe that uh, probably over the course of the summer that uh, I'm going to be doing a bit of a series, I, it, it's been put on my heart, and I'm recognizing uh, the things that are uh, being shared and shown and revealed to me by the Lord, and I just say, thank you, Lord, for your, your speaking, not just to me, but to you, and the Lord would have you heed and to know who you are in Christ. And the authority that you have, the the authority that has been given to you, the position that has been given to you, the ministry that has been given to each and every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ. And so today, I guess it's probably a, a bit of an introduction uh, to this series, and it's around this chapter of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 4 to 7. If I could read that. It says, John, to the seven churches, churches which are in Asia, and that's including, at this point in time, that messages, these messages are to us as well. These were seven churches John is writing it's around 90 AD we're talking almost 60 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and John had a revelation of Jesus that's why it's called revelation the book of Revelation is the revelation that John the disciple of Jesus the last disciple living that that was with Jesus during the three and a half years of his ministry. And he was on the Isle of Patmos. It was a prisoner, political prisoner, um, a prisoner island. I guess something like uh, Australia was originally. Anybody from Australia was, uh, was where the prisoners were sent to Australia. To at that time, they were sent to this island in the Mediterranean, the Isle of Patmos. And uh, it, it is there that John received the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as we read that entire book, it's also prophetic because uh, only chapters 1 to 3 have happened so far. Chapters 4 through 22 are yet to come. So if you ever want to have some, some good reading, uh, read Revelation says, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. That's Jesus Christ. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, seven is the number of perfection and completion, the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, The firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Sorry. The one who is and who was and is to come. Reference to the Father. And here we have reference to Jesus Christ. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We've been made to be kings kings and priests to His God and Father and to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Kings and priests. I've spoken on this. In fact, we had an entire year probably seven or eight years ago that was about being kings and priests. Our choices To finish well. To finish the race well. Because verse 7 of Revelation 1 says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Jesus has not come back yet. He is coming. Every eye will see him. There's two parts to his coming. One, to catch up the saints. That hasn't happened yet. It will happen. And the second time with us to come back in the clouds with him and to actually place his feet on this planet, literally, and to rule for a thousand years. It hasn't happened yet. Praise the Lord that we have opportunity to be kings and priests unto him before his return. Our choices to finish well. We have choice to finish well. The race that we are running. The race of faith. I want to go back to the Old Testament. One of the greatest kings that ever lived was King Solomon. King Solomon... In 977 BC, he would write the book of Ecclesiastes. I just want to say, the man had time, all the time. He had all the power and all authority to come to conclusions. And he came to conclusions. And moreover, this is chapter 12, verse 9. And moreover, because the preacher was wise... He still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright, words of truth. The words of the wise are like goats, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. So the preacher, he's referring to himself as the preacher, speaking words. He sought out and he set in order many Proverbs. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. And further, my son or daughter, be admonished by these of making many books. There is no end and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Of all the things that I have come to know, with all the time, all the power, and all the authority that I have, all the finances, there is no limitation to the amount of of money I have. I could do anything that I want because I am all powerful as king. And he says, This is the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. Fear God and keep his commandments. I pray to God that there will be a fear of the Lord that will come upon each and every one of us at this time. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. And today, there might be things that are hidden in your life That should not be, and I pray to God this morning that there would be a conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life, that you would recognize the importance of getting things right before you leave this planet. In fact, should the trumpet sound before our death, I believe there will be most of you here alive when the trumpet sounds. I would... I would pray to God that there is no secret thing, no hidden thing in your life as a believer that you are hanging on to, that the fear of the Lord will come upon you and that you would deal with that issue, those those things that you are clinging to and hanging on to. As I read some of the, the things here, this passage is amazing. To fear God. Fear God, recognize God, acknowledge God, reverence God, obey God, keep his commandments, is about obedience, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. All right. I want to go, if you have your Bibles with you, go to First Kings 10, verse 1 to 9. We're going to go through a lot of scriptures, as usual. I'm going to pull out a few things here. I want you to know the extent of the wisdom of God that was given to Solomon. And it was recognized as being from the Lord. So I'm going to read quickly. Now, when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. So this queen was from Ethiopia. So a very powerful queen and that, that area, they did have uh, monarchy, if you would, not just uh, kings, but they would also have queens. And in this case, the queen of Sheba was in power and she had heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. At this point, Solomon is doing what he's supposed to be doing. We need to do what we're supposed to do. We are kings and priests unto God. We are a royal priesthood. And that there would be a heeding of the authority that we have and the ministry that we have as a royal priesthood. And that we would do things according and concerning the name of the Lord. According to the Lord. And so she came to test him with hard questions. There might be some that test you with hard questions. You would have the answers. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels that bore spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, and we'll get not just to the house that he built, but to the temple. The food on his table, the abundance, so not just the house that he had built, it took 13 years for him to complete the building of his house. And there was no expense uh, spared. The temple took seven years. Now, I don't know if he had the same number of people working on his house uh, or not, but it was an amazing house. Thirteen years, no expense spared. The food on his table, the abundance, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, and there was no more spirit in, her. In other words, it took her breath away. This was the queen of Sheba and her breath was taken away by the amazing power, authority, wealth, wisdom of the Lord that was granted to Solomon. It took her breath away. There was no more spirit in her. And listen to what she says. She said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. What Everything they said about you was true. However, I did not believe the words until I came and I saw with my own eyes. I said, this could not possibly be. I'm going to check this out for myself. And she made that long trip with this large contingent of individuals, and she went to see for her own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. The things they said about you, they didn't even cover half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men, and happy are these servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom to heed wisdom that is of the Lord. And then there's an acknowledgement of this queen. She says, blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Now, I like history. History. I enjoy history. I like looking back. When we go, when Julie and I go traveling uh, somewhere, we always check out the history of the place, the architecture. I'm fascinated by by things that have been standing for 200, 300, 400, 500 years. In Europe, 1,000 years, things are standing. It's like, wow, I'm amazed. Things that have that have stood for two thousand years—they're still in existence. I'm, I'm amazed, and I like the fact when we look at the Old Testament, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles—we are talking history. And it's interesting, First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles are the aspect of kings and priests. 1st and 2nd Kings is the view of the kings from the the kingly view. And 1st and 2nd Chronicles ties in with so much of 1st and 2nd Kings and is the priestly take on it. We are kings and priests. A royal priesthood. Now listen. So this, when the Queen of Sheba came, probably, yeah, either before... 977, before Ecclesiastes was written, or it might have been shortly after it was written. But I want to go back another 500 years before. And this is what Moses gave instruction. When you have kings, which would not happen for almost 450 years after he spoke, he says, when you have kings, listen up. This is Deuteronomy 17, verse 14. Now, once again, you say, well, does this apply to me? And we'll see. We are also kings and priests unto God. So, there is an application of the word of God, even Old Testament, and we'll tie it with New Testament. There is stuff that we need to heed in our lives. We need to not just say, oh, well, whatever. Whatever. Or this is not important, or I'll I'll take this. I don't like this, so I'm not going to take this. I'm talking about children of God. I'm talking about sons and daughters of the Most High God and how we conduct our lives. How are you conducting your life as a believer, a follower of Jesus? If you are here this morning and you are not a follower of Jesus, you know about Jesus, you know about what he did for you on the cross, and you have not bowed your knee and allowed him into your life, I give you opportunity before we take communion to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you've strayed away and you need to come back. Maybe there was something in your life that happened decades ago that you need to come back to Jesus. And I'm telling you, you need to do that because we are running out of time. How much time do we have left? I don't know, but I'm telling you right now, this is weighing so heavily on my heart that I did not even want to preach this today. I did not want to speak this today, saying, Lord, it's a long weekend. People don't want to have a heavy message. Come on, we need to take a break. Enjoy life. I was just close to saying, no, I'm not preaching this message. and It was was weighing even more heavily on me, and it's like, okay, Lord, I'm going to speak it. I'm going to try to put as positive a slant as I can on this, but I'm telling you, I am telling you, as a person that has not arrived yet, I am saying to you, heed the word of the Lord in your life and the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life at this point. Do not be playing games with God. 500 years before, almost 500 years, Deuteronomy chapter 17 from verse 14, I'll read it quickly. When you come to the land which the Lord your God has given you, so they haven't arrived yet. In fact, Moses never made it into the promised land. When you come to the land which the Lord your God has given you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are, are, are around me. Let's have a king. For 400 years, they didn't have kings. They had judges. No king. So this is prophetic. So if you set a king over you, like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. Not your choice, the one that God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother, but he shall, listen, but he shall not multiply horses for himself nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he, the king, multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Do you got that? All right. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from one of the priests or from one before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord as God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. He would have his very own copy. The word of God. I'm going to live by the word of God. I'm going to live by the word of God. You and I have a choice as to how we live our lives now and how we will finish. We have a choice. And it shall be, let me read it again. Verse 19, and it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. I'll tell you, man, are we so smart and wise. I'm going to come to my own conclusions on life. This is what I have concluded, because I am the wisest of the wise. This is what I conclude. How arrogant of us. I conclude this. I will live this way, because this is what I have concluded. That he would observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children, in the midst of Israel. Here's the key to success. You say, well, that's Old Testament, Pastor. We're not in the Old Testament anymore. I'll tell you right now. Jesus said, John 14, verse 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. There's more commandments in the New Testament than there are in the Old. There's over a thousand uh, commandments in the New Testament. Everyone for our benefit, everyone for abundance, everyone for blessing, everyone for protection, every single one of them is for our good. Man, I want to heed the Word of God. I'm talking as a believer. I'm not talking for salvation's sake. You're already saved. If you are, In the Old Testament, 613 uh, commandments, 10 of them we know, the Ten Commandments. There's another 603 on top of that. To prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel, it will, who we are as children of God will impact even our, our children. In the end, they have their own way to go. But for goodness sake, that you would be an example of, of a man and woman of God. All right. Wealth. Talk about silver and gold. Do you know that silver and gold was so common in Israel during Solomon's time? It was like, whatever. There's silver and gold, whatever. Let me just talk about the wealth that he had. Okay. The temple, I'm just going to talk about the temple, all right? Took seven years to build. And back in 1925, the Illinois Society of Architects took all the the instructions on the building of the temple. The tens of thousands that were employed over that course of seven years, literally, there was like 130,000 that were employed for seven years. Can you imagine the cost? And so they estimated the cost of the temple, the material, the construction, all the articles associated associated with the functioning of the temple that were put into place, the fashioning and forming and and the, the materials used, all of it. And in today's, or in their at their time, 1925, the estimation of the total cost according to the modern prices of 1925, the Illinois Society of Architects, calculating everything, calculated it would cost in 1925 money $87 billion. $87 billion, and there was no lack. It was all paid for. $87 billion by one man, or what he had accumulated, the wealth that he had. You might say, well, what does that translate to in today's money? And so I went, and it's amazing what you can ask Siri or whatever, and it immediately came up with the translation of 1925, to today's current state of inflation, there's $1 in 1925 is worth $17.38 today, according to the inflation calculator. $17, $1 to $17.38. So $87 billion times 17.38 works out to $1.512 trillion Dollars, trillion. It cost 1.512 trillion dollars just to build the temple. Now you tell me. (laughs) This makes the richest man and the richest men of, of this planet look like paupers. This is just for the temple. I find it interesting. It says the weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. Like 666, I hate that number. 666. I don't know, like, like was that of chance? I don't know. That's how much came in every single year. We're talking millions upon millions Besides that, from the traveling merchants, this is 1 Kings 10, 15. Besides that, from the traveling merchants, from the income of traders, from all the kings of Arabia, and from the governors of the country, that's not including all the other stuff that came in. This was just a yearly thing that came in. 666 talents of gold. I don't know, They estimate, it was like, I don't know how many tens of millions of dollars. And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. He also made, we're talking shields of gold, where one ounce of gold is worth like, what, $1,800 right now? Just one ounce of gold, a tiny little piece. Well, he had entire shields made out of gold. We're talking things that weighed who knows how much. They were made out of pure gold, 200 of them, hammered gold. 600 shekels of gold went to each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold. Three minas of gold went to, into each shield. He, the king put them into the house of the forest of Lebanon. If you ever check out the house of the forest of Lebanon, it had three rows of pillars. It, it's, it's amazing, the construction. I, I went and, and, and looked at some of the uh, uh, people that have tried to visualize and put this in how it could have possibly looked. Check out the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne was made out of ivory, which who knows how much that costs, and out of pure gold. The throne had six steps, and on top of the throne was round round at the back. There were armrests on either side uh, of the place of the seat. There were two lines uh, that stood beside the armrests. And there are 12 lions that stood there, one on each side of the six steps. So on each side of the s- steps were these, these huge lions. So the steps must have been, you know, something like this, where you, you have a, a bi- an area for the, this big lion on each side to, to, to be on, and then you'd have another step up, and there'd be another lion there and another lion there. And, and so it'd be a long step, I would assume, leading to his throne. We're talking about power here. Twelve lines stood there, one on each side of the step, six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, out of gold. I don't know if water tastes any better in gold, but this tastes really good. cold, water. but maybe it does taste better in gold. I, I don't think so, but Everything that he drank from was gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of, Leva- of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. We can't use silver, are you kidding me? That's too common. For the king had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. By far. Probably even in today's standards. By far. Now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present, articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules at a set rate year by year. Oh, you want to come talk to the king, King Solomon? Here's the price it's going to cost you. He's probably saying, hey, can't pay for it. I don't have time. We already heard. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself. Let's start away, and nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. And there's an accumulating of these things. Regarding the the, the horses, we're talking, it was a status. It's like, yeah, the other day, yesterday, I was looking at uh, the the power of different countries. And it's according to their military machinery. And the the greatest one is... uh, United States because they have 13 aircraft carriers. The next country after it I think is Japan that has four aircraft carriers. In fact United States has more aircraft carriers than all the the Earth's nations combined. So this thing of well the military might and Solomon, let me say again, It says, uh, do not multiply horses for the Lord has said to you, you shall not return this way again. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. Now, I read one of the kings from Ethiopia came this is decades later, came, they had a million men, one army, a million men coming, and they had 300 chariots. This Solomon had, and that was a mighty force, a million men and 300 chariots, because what a chariot could do is just running through. People being just cut up with the blades and whatever that were on the wheels and fashion. They just run through and chop up and make a hole through. So the army is divided and they can come in. We're talking strategy. We're talking war power. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. Strategic. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones and he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores which are in the lowland. Also, Solomon had horses imported from Egypt in Keveh. The king's merchants bought them in Keve at the current price. Now, a chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver and a horse, 150. And thus, through their agents, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria as well as to Solomon. So you wanted to get the latest military might, you would go to Egypt and you could buy them. Power. Two things now that Solomon's struggling with. Thirdly, women. This as I read through First Corinthians or First Kings eleven, I was I'm grieved. It's like I'm reading about a man, and it's like, oh man, I hope, I hope you make it, you finish right. Don't start the race and then not finish right. I pray to God that Ecclesiastes, which was written in 977, and this is what 1 Kings 11 is is probably about 958 or something like that, 20 years later, and I'm praying to God. I pray to God that Solomon made it. I pray to God that he made it. It's like, man, I want to meet this king. We don't have any mention. We don't know as I read through 1 Kings 11, it's like, and we, let us not be so arrogant and wise and say, well, I've got it all figured out. That we would boast in the cross of Christ. Today we're having communion. That we would boast in the cross of Christ. That we would boast in who? Jesus is. We would boast in the things of the Lord. We would stand on the word of God. You can boast. You can stand on it. You can count on the word of God. It is truth. No, no, no. I've got it figured out because I know everything. Listen, when you know the word of God and you stand on the word of God, you can come with boldness and confidence. Confidence. I am doing the word of the Lord. When anything else comes against you, I am doing the word of the Lord. I remember there was an attack on my father years ago. His character, whatever. He he mentioned an interesting, he made an interesting comment. I stand behind the cross of Christ. My righteousness is like filthy rags, but I stand behind the cross of Christ, the finished work. So you can chop up my character and my whatever. Like I say, I've said this many times in the last little while. You look closely enough, you will find flaws and faults in me, but I stand behind the cross of Christ on his finished work. I haven't arrived yet, I still have a ways to go and I will make it because I am saved by his broken body and shed blood, I am being saved by his broken body and shed blood, and I will be saved by his broken body and shed blood. You can count on that. Hallelujah. That's why we have the reminder every month We have communion that your faith would not be in your own righteousness and your own wisdom and your own intellect. What you've come to conclusion on, but it would be in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Hallelujah. So he's the wealth is increasing. The power is increasing. And now the women. But King Solomon loved. This is first Kings 11. King Solomon loved many foreign women, all as women or as well as the daughter of Pharaoh. In fact, if you look at this, the, the, the structure of his palace, at the back of the palace, he had a separate room for the daughter of Pharaoh. She had her own huge area that was hers. He also, many foreign women, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidians, Sidonians, sorry, the Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. And Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. I hope he made it. There were 33 kings, one queen. And nine kings. So a total of 34 nine is what, 43? 43 kings in the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom combined for, for the period of time from uh, Saul, or Saul right to the last king in 400 BC. 400 BC. So we're talking about 600 years of kings. There was a total of 33 kings are 43 kings. Guess what? 33 kings and one queen, Jezebel, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Of the 43 kings and one, one queen, only nine kings did right before the Lord. Nine. Most of them, they chose to do that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. You and I have a choice. As believers... To do what is right or to do what is is evil. It is your choice. For Solomon, not only went he went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, or Chemosh, the abomination of Moab on the hill that is east of Jerusalem. And for Moloch, the abomination of the people of Ammon. They would burn Moloch. They would burn children. They'd sacrifice babies and young children in, in the arms of Moloch. They would burn to death. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will do it not in your days for the sake of your father David. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give you one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. So he had, David is the tribe of Judah, which was Solomon, and he had one extra tribe. That's exactly what happened before. That's exactly what happened. It was prophesied before. This is and so the northern kingdom of 10 tribes left, and there was two left, and plus the Levites would make 13. Two tribes left, Judah and, and Benjamin, the southern kingdom. You might say, Pastor, you've talked about the Old Testament for most of this message. First Peter 2, verse 4 coming to him as to a living stone, Jesus, coming to Jesus as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up to a a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Is Is that what you're doing? Is that what you're doing? Are you offering up Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ in your conduct and who you are? No, I just want to do my own thing. I'm going to pick and choose whatever I want. Like Solomon, the wisest man on the planet, probably of all time, why this wise man, and he chose to finish off his life in the wrong way. I got to figure it out. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, so now Peter quotes Old Testament, Psalm 118, verse 22, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. This is written by David a thousand years earlier, more than a thousand years earlier. There is going to be one, and David looked forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. Let me read it again. I lay in Zion, Jerusalem, a chief cornerstone, a foundational stone, elect, elected and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe... He is precious, but to those who are disobedient in your belief and in your conduct. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. That's quoting from Isaiah 8, verse 14, who lived around 700 B.C. And so Peter is quoting Old Testament and the Lord, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things to recognize that as we take communion, Jesus will be a stumbling block and a a rock of offense to you if you don't deal with the sin in your life and you don't deal with uh, this thing, this aspect of obedience. I'll tell you right now, if the Lord comes back today, I do not want a single one of you left behind. If the Lord comes back today, don't you be rolling your eyes at me. Don't you say, I don't want to hear this. As you grab a hold of it, you, are say, you, you say, thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord that came on this day. Because the trumpet sounded right after, and I was right with the Lord. You say, I didn't want to preach this message today. Man, I got to be a little, I got to be easier on a long weekend. Come on, pastor. I'm thinking, no, I'm not doing my job. Or I shouldn't say job. That's not the right word. I am not doing what I've been called to do. I am not here to tickle your ears. I am here to prepare you to be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. So don't you be hanging on the stuff that you know is not right. I was going to entitle this message, Walking Backwards to Hell. Walking backwards to hell. So here I'm going, here's the cross, my eyes are on the cross, but I'm going to hang on to my sin, whatever it may be. Where is something? Anyway. I'm hanging on to my sin. And I'll tell you right now, you hang on to your sin and you practice your sin and you are going to walk backwards into hell. Why? It says those that practice these things, Galatians chapter 5. Those that practice these things and things such as this, because they're going by their flesh, their righteousness is in their own flesh, and it's not in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It says, we'll not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia, and he's saying, don't you hang on to your sin. The fruit of the Spirit is available to you. And those that are Christ have crucified their flesh with its lusts and passions, where? Where do you overcome sin? You go to the cross and you deal, you give your sin, you throw your sin at the foot of the cross, because he's been taken, he has taken care of it at the foot of the cross. As you hang on to it, you will, you will walk backwards. You can look at the cross all you want, and as you hang on to your sin, it'll drag you right to hell. You let go of your sin, you confess your sin, and you you let go of it. I'm not talking just sins of commission, the things that we commit. I'm talking about sins of omission. It's not doing the things that we should. Man, to finish the race, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense is what Jesus will become because he is the word and the word has been given to you. And if you don't heed it, he will cause you to stumble and be a, a rock of offense to you. Say, I, you know what? Here's what I've come to know. I can tell when people are moving away from the Lord because I see them less and less in the house of the Lord. They don't like coming to church. It's too hard. I can do everything else, but I'm not going to come to church. I don't want to hear the word of the Lord because it's, a, it's, it's an offense to you. It's a stumbling block. And you're tripping over even Christ who died for you. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. The word was given. They said, no, I don't think so. But I love verse 9. That you would be this people. I'll f- close with this other, this last verse. I have a lot, a few more here. I want to close with a question and a, an answer. What sin so easily ensnares you? What sin are you not letting go of? Very easily ensnares you. What sin? Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, I had somebody ask me, can people in heaven see us? I say say that people in heaven have some major or some other things that are way more exciting than looking down here on earth. However, it says here that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Uh. so even in the secret there are witnesses oh not good I'm speaking to myself the things that I might do in the secret nobody else is seeing or watching or whatever the things in the past oh. Lord let your blood take care of it Let your blood take care of it. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, the things that are weighing on you that you are not letting go. this is First Peter says, "Casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you." First Peter five or seven. Casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. You know what? People are more concerned about life and the weights of life than they are concerned about being obedient to the word of the Lord. I got to keep working. I got bills to pay. I got to find a way out. I got to find a way out. Lord, I'm going to trust in you. Listen, I don't want to make light. I understand. I don't want to make light of anybody's situation, but for goodness sake, don't you find solution in your own strength, your own abilities or whatever. You run to the Lord and you keep your eyes on the Lord. I don't know how you're going to get out of it, but he does. I don't understand everything, but let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And here's the solution. Looking onto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, I'm letting go of the weights. I'm letting go of the sin. Because there's a conviction coming into my heart. I'll tell you right now, the Holy Spirit is convicting right now. And is saying, there's things coming to your mind as I, as, as I was speaking. It's not from me. It's from the Holy Spirit saying, for goodness sake, please. I beseech you deal with these things get rid of these things stop carrying the weights stop hanging on to the things of sin the sins sins of omission and commission the things that I'm not doing that I should lord I'm going to start I got to start doing what you've commanded me to do and I need to stop doing what you've commanded me to stop those things I need to stop with Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of her faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that's why we have communion. To look to Jesus. You say, Pastor. You, you, you can read. First and Second Kings, read through it. 40, 43 individuals making a decision that affected their lives and the life of the nation. For you, it's not necessarily an entire nation, but it's probably your family. Oh, man. We have an opportunity to make things right before his coming. Can we stand together? Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.